and welcome to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast. My name is Jesse, and I'll be your host. So on today's episode, we're going to go over a teen horror classic from 1998, which I guess you can argue is uh, there's a bunch of those you could choose from, but today we're going to be going over a reinvention of the Invasion of the Body Snatchers story. That's right, we're going to be talking about 1998's The Faculty. Now this film, my history with it is... I never saw it when I was younger or anything. I I just never really, I never thought to really watch it. All I really knew about it was that Josh Hartnett was in it, Clea Duvall was there, Usher apparently was there, you know, but that's really all I knew, I guess. And I think it was like an alien story. Like I, I knew that. Really, other than that, I really didn't know much about it. And it wasn't until maybe a two years or so ago that I really actually sat down and watched the film and I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, it is very much in the similar vein of something like Scream. Obviously, Kevin Williamson like wrote this movie pretty much. He was brought in to do some rewrites. So uh, it definitely has that spin on it. And it's a little self-aware, of course, because it does talk about Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And, you know, it has those little Kevin Williamson parts in it. I think overall, it's actually a pretty good like little science fiction movie. Some a little different for the time because you weren't having a ton of those movies. You had a lot of um, slashers, I guess. But with something like this and also the other movie, Disturbing Behavior as well, I think that those were doing a little bit different stuff as well because those weren't really slashers or anything. I appreciate that for at least you know doing it. And and of course, like Robert Rodriguez, who um, had already directed movies before the faculty but uh this is definitely one that is in his repertoire it was uh and i watched like the spy kid movies and he did those so like why not watch this one you know of course on this show i tend to go over some figures production history of the movie and i'll go over a plot summary so without further ado let's get on to those figures of the faculty. The faculty was released on December 25th, 1998, and was directed by Robert Rodriguez and written by Kevin Williamson with a story credit by Bruce Kimmel and David Wetcher. We have a budget of $15 million and a box office of $40.2 million. We're looking at a Rotten Tomatoes score of 55% on the tomato meter and a 56% audience score. We're looking at an IMDb score of 6.5 out of 10 and a letterbox score of 3.3 out of 5. For our cast of characters, we have Elijah Wood as Casey Connor, Jordana Brewster as Delilah Prophet, Clea Duvall as Stokely Mitchell, Laura Harris as Marybeth Louise Hutchinson, Josh Hartnett as Zeke Tyler, Sean Hattesey as Stan Rosado, Sama Hayek as Rosa Harper, Famke Jensen as Elizabeth Burke, Piper Laurie as Karen Olson, Bibi Newworth as Valerie Drake, Robert Patrick as Joe Willis, Usher Raymond as Gabe Santora, and John Stewart as Edward Furlong. Some critical response quotes that I was able to find about the faculty are as follows. We have Widget Walls from NeedCoffee.com, who states, What could have been an interesting update of Body Snatchers for the teen crowd becomes a very bland Robert A. Heinlein's The Breakfast Club. We have Steve Biodrowski from Cine Fantastique, who states, The Kevin Williamson formula, rewrite familiar horror scenarios, and have the characters note the familiarity, has gotten to be a bore, and in this case, it makes no sense. We then have Scott Feshuk from National Post, who states, Frankly, it's hard to buy into the horror of a potential alien apocalypse when you're half expecting Shaggy and the gang to pull up in the mystery machine and reveal the true identity of the outer space baddie. 
And then, of course, you can't forget how this movie was touted as being hip and scary from other critics as well. So before we go into a plot summary of The Faculty, I just wanted to give a little bit of production history just so you can kind of have that context. There isn't really much in terms of production history that I can find, but I did want to just share some of this information I found. So, in 1990, David Wetcher and Bruce Kimmel, who were these guys who really hadn't written a whole lot of stuff before, um, or since, really. I think Bruce was already an actor, and he just kind of helped write this, and David Wetcher went on to be a producer. But they wrote this first draft of the script, which was initially called The Feelers, and they sent this out, but nobody was really buying it or anything. And it wasn't until a couple years later... When the success of Scream happened, that Miramax actually bought the script and they rushed the movie into production. So Bob and Harvey Weinstein, uh, they brought in Kevin Williamson, who had just written Scream, and to do some rewrites, they kept the basic story, but they wanted to rewrite the dialogue and add new characters to make it more hip kind of a thing. Initially, Williamson was actually set to direct the movie, but instead he chose not to do this movie, but he decided to direct his self-penned project, which was called Teaching Mrs. Tingle, uh, which was initially called Killing Mrs. Tingle. Um, And I think I've said this on this podcast before, but that's a really horrible movie. Um, And I think there's a reason that Kevin Williamson has only really written stuff, um, because I don't think he's that good of a director. But anyway, instead, the Weinsteins decided to bring in Robert Rodriguez, who by this time had done the movie Desperado, From Dusk Till Dawn. He would end up doing the Spy Kid movies, Machete, Sin City, all those kinds of movies. So they have him directing instead. So The Faculty takes place in uh, Harrington, Ohio, which is not a real place, but it was actually shot in all around Texas, like in Austin, San Marcos, Dallas, and Lockhart, Texas, which was, um, I think where they did the school and stuff like that. They had, um, the outside of the school and stuff. Apparently, Clea Duvall said that making the film was kind of fun because it was mostly night shoots. It was kind of like they were in this alternate universe, like working all night long and like making this little sci-fi movie. It was kind of cool, you know? So that's kind of fun. Also, there were some several scenes, actually, where there was an additional character named Venus, who was played by a girl named uh, Kadada Jones. Uh, and that's actually Quincy Jones's daughter, I believe. And also, like, the sister to Rashida Jones. Anyway, so she was shown in TV previews for the film. Um, She was also in this Tommy Hilfiger campaign that was part of the promotional materials of this film that all of the the main kids in this movie were a part of. They were also in a music video for uh, a cover of Another Brick in the Wall, I believe. That was another thing they did. She's actually visible in a scene where she's standing next to Usher's character um, in Mr. Furlong's class when they find this new species. So she is in the movie... But she wasn't really, um, it's funny because she, the thing with it is, is that like her in particular, she has like no speaking lines, but she was put into that promotional campaign. Um, and similarly with Usher too, Usher is in this movie, but like literally he's in it for like, I'm not even kidding, like five minutes. Like he's only in a few scenes. He doesn't really have that much to say. I don't think either. So I thought it was really interesting, too. I said this in my Bring It On episode, but yeah, I mean, I think that maybe they targeted um, a certain 
like demographic, like a more quote unquote urban demographic, I think they would say, um, with something like that. Because again, when you see someone like Usher in this movie, or you see, you know, someone like, oh, Gabrielle Union and Bring It On, and you see these other folks of color, you think, oh, they're going to be in this movie. Like, that's awesome. And then you see the movie and you're like, oh, wait, they were only in it for a little bit. That's weird. That's just how marketing kind of works in, in Hollywood, unfortunately. But yeah, I think the faculty definitely had a little bit of that. Cause again, it was kind of weird that like they had this girl in these like promotional ads in this Tommy Hilfiger campaign, you know, Quincy Jones's daughter pretty much. And like, she's not even really in the movie except for like, an extra almost so weird especially since the main kids in this are really the only what is it one two three four five like five of them are there so i just thought that was really interesting yeah that's pretty much a little bit about that you know generally like it was all done in texas um that's why i think it's funny that uh i'll probably mention this in my my plot summary but i thought it was funny that one of the kids in this movie is one of the kind of like background characters of anything you'll notice john abrahams is in this movie and he is from scary movie he plays um one of the guys in scary movie and uh so he was in there and then also wiley wiggins is in this movie for a little bit he plays um quote unquote fuck up number two or something like that if you don't know who wiley wiggins is he's mitch from days to confuse which i love that movie and uh i just think it's so funny and probably the reason that wiley wiggins is in that movie is because he it was in texas so like um, that was kind of how he got his start, weirdly enough, um, being in Texas because he's from there, and that's where Days of Confused shot. So, like, really, I think he, I think he went on to like move to LA for like a year or something, and then kind of didn't really work out out there. So he came back. So he probably got this role really just from being in Texas, honestly. And I'm like, hey, that's fine with me. I also don't like the fact that Danny Masterson's in this movie for like a little bit because I don't like him. Uh, again, anybody who's kind of a creep. Like I was saying with the Weinsteins, uh, you know, but, uh, without further ado, we went over all that production history and all that, but, uh, without further ado, let's get to our plot summary. So we begin our film at what other than football practice in the late nineties, which is being led by coach Willis, who's played by Robert Patrick. He is of course, as in good old light nineties football coach fashion he is berating these young men and calling them pussies and then he sends them off to the showers after practice and all this kind of stuff you know as you do if you've ever seen like varsity blues and stuff so you see that happening and then once all of the young men are gone and coach willis is just kind of finishing up his practice you then see a first person view of somebody coming up to coach willis Uh, And all he says to them when he sees who it is, is just, yeah, what do you want? And then you don't see anything happen to Coach Willis at this point, but you know that something has happened to him in a way, um, because then it just kind of fades away. We then are brought into another scene, which is actually an evening at Harrington High School, which is where this is located. Um, And pretty much we have Principal Drake, Principal Valerie Drake, who is played by B.B. Newworth. And we have some teachers here as well. We have good old Karen Olson, who is played by Piper Laurie herself, Carrie White's mom. 
We then have Jessica Brummel, one of the other teachers, who's played by Susan Willis. And then we have John Tate, who is another teacher at the school, I believe teaches history or something. And he is played by Daniel Von Bargen. And so they're having this little meeting about like how pretty much the school has no money. It's like went to the sports. So like they can't get new computers, Mrs. Brummel. And then no, they can't like go to New York um, on this trip that they wanted to go on to be more creative. And no, we don't have the ability to do a musical, Mrs. Olson. Use the same set from our town that, you know, if we used last year. Which is kind of a funny little theater joke. But anyway, so, you know, all of these teachers are leaving for the evening after their meeting. But then Principal Drake realizes that she left her keys in her office. And so she goes and retrieves them. So then um, Mrs. Olson is just like out there waiting for her a little bit. Um, even though Principal Drake's like, oh, don't wait up for me. But like, you know, she still kind of stands guard a little bit. Principal Drake then goes back to her office and she's confronted by the football coach, Coach Willis, who is now has a different demeanor going on. He is talking about how she's so pretty. She looks very nice this evening. And she's just not into that. Uh, but then he doesn't give a fuck. And he like literally attacks her pretty much and like takes a pencil and like jams it through her hand and all that. And she, of course, thinks she's being attacked, which is horrible. And you then get the one of the lines, which is fun in this opening, where uh, it's the coach saying, I've always wanted to do, do that. So Principal Drake thinks she's being attacked, of course, and she is like running out of the school. She's trying to run to the school, but, you know, it's all locked. So she's like, oh, no, what do I do? And so then you see Mrs. Olsen outside and, you know, she's like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, of course, like. Principal Drake's like, oh my god, like, it's Coach Willis, he's trying to kill me, da 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 And so, you know, you can kind of get this idea that, like, okay, Principal Drake and Karen Olsen, you know, they're all, like, trying to, like, work together so that she can get out of there. So pretty much, long story short, she's able to get out of the school, um, she's able to lock Coach Willis in, uh, she thinks she's in the clear, um, there were some scissors, I think, that he had grabbed, and then he actually had dropped, um, so that, you know, they were now outside, and they think, okay, cool, like, I'm safe, but then, unfortunately, the drama teacher, Mrs. Olson, takes those same scissors and stabs Principal Drake with the scissors, while she also retorts the same line, I've always wanted to do that. So now you can tell that both the coach and the drama teacher have something going on, or they're infected with something, so as we will find out. So then the next morning, because again, it was the evening, it's now the next morning, we then meet the students, and we start to meet our cast of characters in this film, including Casey Connor, who's played by a young Elijah Wood. He is the dedicated but perpetually harassed photographer, um, so he takes pictures of stuff, and he also works for the um, newspaper. So he also gets his, like, testicles literally, like, slammed against a flagpole because he is just this put-upon geek type of guy. We then are introduced to Delilah Prophet, who is played by Jordana Brewster in her film debut. She is the paper's editor-in-chief and also head cheerleader. We then meet Stan Rosato, who is the um, quarterback of the football team, who's played by Sean Hatosi from in and out he was also on an episode six feet under and he's done a few different jobs here and there he is contemplating quitting the football team to try to pursue academics um because that's what he wants to 
do. Um, he comes to the realization that really people only see him as like the star quarterback and they don't really take him more seriously than that. And he wants to change that. We then meet Zeke Tyler. Uh, we meet him actually first, who's played by Josh Hartnett in his second film after having been in Halloween H2O. Uh, in pretty much the same year, they both came out around... Um, similar time so it's probably crazy to see all that he is an intelligent yet he's rebellious student uh, repeating his senior year actually um he sells um among other legal items a powdery ecstasy like drug that he manufactures and distributes um so you see that we'll are also introduced to um, Stokely Mitchell, who is an outcast, who's played by Clea Duvall from But I'm a Cheerleader, and she's all that and like other movies that she was in. We also are then introduced to the transfer student, Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson, who's played by Laura Harris, and so she's new in town, and she starts to kind of get with... Um, Stokely a little bit and tries to spark a friendship of some sort, which really uh, Stokely's not all that interested in, but you know, that's what we have. Back to Zeke. So uh, we also then meet one of the other teachers, uh, Elizabeth Burke, who's played by um, Famke Jensen. Uh, she's kind of this like shy, introverted teacher, um, but she does confront Zeke. Um, who expresses concern for him over his illegal activities. Um, and we do see that a little bit in the movie as well. So then Mary Beth also develops a crush on Zeke, which is reciprocated by Zeke. And so you see them having a little bit of a relationship as well. And really in this opening part of the movie, you kind of get to see what everybody's relationships are with one another. So you get to see that like Casey really doesn't have a whole lot of friends, honestly. Um, you know, Delilah doesn't take him that seriously uh stokely i don't really think takes him all that seriously you know that kind of thing you see delilah and stan you see them and their relationship and you really find out that honestly delilah is just like well pretty much i'm only dating you because you're the star quarterback you are the quarterback of the football team that you, you know obviously i just date the person who's that because i'm head cheerleader you then see a little bit of interaction with zeke and his friends quote unquote that he has um or some of the people he interacts with what he sells to actually two of these i think they're considered just like fuck-ups in the movie uh one is played by danny masterson bleh, human piece of garbage but the other one is actually played by Wiley Wiggins, um, who, if you do not know, played Mitch in the movie Days Confused, um, who's kind of one of the main characters of the movie, kind of. We're following him. And really, I think the, one of the only reasons he was in this movie, The Faculty, is because this did shoot around Texas and he was living in Texas. So that's probably one of the big reasons. Yeah, you just kind of get introduced to how, you know, all of these different people kind of interact with one another and again how they don't really have much of a uh, they're not really each other's friends or anything like that we also get introduced to gabe as well who is one of stan's friends 
we do see him, Gabe Santora, uh, played by Usher Raymond in one of his film roles that he has. Not really much about him. We literally don't learn anything about him except that he's on the football team. And that I think he then takes over for quarterback when we then find out that Stan quits being the quarterback because he doesn't want to do it anymore. You have all this going on and then um, you have all of that um, where you find out about all these different relationships that these people have, um, these different students. And then you see one of the things you see, you also get introduced to some of the other people in the school. Namely, you get introduced to Selma Hayek, who's playing the nurse in this school, Rosa Harper. And you also get to see a little bit of just like weird interactions that some of the teachers are having who have obviously been infected so you see like you see coach willis and miss olsen interact i don't think you see principal drake quite yet uh, it's not until they realize something's going down that like uh principal drake's actually in on it but yeah you have all of that going on and one of the scenes you'll then see is that casey who's just not had a great day he's just had a shitty morning um he goes and eats his lunch out on the football field in the bleachers and i think he's even accosted by like the uh the football coach who is like being weird kind of Casey during his time being on the football field, he finds a creature on this football field um, and he decides to take it to uh, one of the other teachers at this school, uh, Mr. Edward Furlong. And yes, there is a, literal teacher named Edward Furlong in this movie, played by a kind of unknown-ish John Stewart, kind of. I think he had been um, as like a talk show type person, but he hadn't been on The Daily Show yet. So this is before pre-Daily Show, um, when he actually was trying to be an actor, kind of. When he looks at this creature who he then puts into um, a tank of water, he believes that this is a new species of cephalopod, like a parasite called a mesozone. You know, you start to see this, um, and you see the parasite kind of swimming around the water. It seems to be okay in the water uh, from what it looks like. And I believe actually in this scene where they're talking about it, you know, you see all the kids kind of around the tank. And I believe that's actually when uh, Mr. Furlong sticks his hand in it. Cause he also says, he's like, I think you might've found a new species, Casey. Um, he actually sticks his finger, his gloved finger into the water. And he actually gets bit by this, this strange creature. So that you then have Delilah and Casey after all this is going on. Um, they hide in the teacher's lounge to find a story because, you know, Delilah is in charge of the whole paper and they're trying to figure out a story that they can have. Uh, during this time where we have Delilah and Casey together who are hiding in like the literal closet of the teacher's lounge, um, they witness Coach Willis and Mrs. Olsen forcing one of the parasites into the ear of the school nurse. And they also find the body of another teacher, Mrs. Brummel, in the closet that they're hiding in. So there's this just whole thing going on. Um, nobody knows that they're in there. Um, but then they flee um, because they're scared as hell. Um, and so, of course, like the uh, these faculty members are like, running after them because they can't find out. And this is where we see that 
Principal Drake, even though she literally got like stabbed, um, she is now somehow better and is now infected with these parasites. You have Casey and Delilah, they flee, and Casey does call the police, but his claims are dismissed. And what actually ends up happening is that you have good old Dwayne Martin coming in as one of the police officers. They come to the school, and I think it's another person as well, um, a lady cop who comes with him as well, played by Catherine Willis. They come to the school, but they are then turned, I believe he, uh, I think Principal Drake at least turns the uh, Dwayne Martin Martin into to a, um, a faculty member or part of the, the, uh, the parasite crew, if you will, or whatever you want to call it. So you have that going on in this movie as well. So you have all that, and then you meet the parents of Casey because they take him back home because they're not happy with all these kind of... It's not even all these stunts that they pulled, but, like, you know, they're not happy because pretty much it seems like Casey's somehow, like, lying. But really, he's not lying, but nobody wants to believe him, uh, which is just kind of an unfortunate thing when it comes to that. So we have that going on in the story. And then pretty much the next day, because we start to realize after all this, because Casey's been grounded and, and all this stuff... But he's starting to realize there really is something going on here. So Casey tells Delilah, Stan, and Stokely that he believes that the teachers are being controlled by aliens. He thinks this because he sees that they visited him. These teachers visited him in, like, you know, the night at his home. And I think he even believes that his parents also might have gotten, you know infected as well um at some point he starts to believe that like oh my god our teachers are now like complete and utter aliens but of course they're like what the fuck are you even talking about so what ends up happening is you know he takes these people in here excluding zeke and mary beth um he takes them into like an abandoned science room and he tells them he tells everybody what's going on he tells um you know, Stokely, Stan and Delilah, like, hey, look, like, you know, this is what's going on. This is what I think. And again, nobody believes him. So then we see that Zeke and Mary Beth, they tease him about this theory because they actually were in a whole other room, kind of like make it out a little bit, I think. Um, and they hear this conversation that, um, you know, uh, Casey's having with these other people and they're just like, yeah, you're crazy, dude. Like, what are you talking about? Then Mr. Furlong comes in to the classroom because it is his like science room and they realize that they're not bullshitting and that actually um, Mr. Furlong attempts to infect them and they realize that this is actually real. So then they have to like um, protect themselves. So I think like, what was it? I think like uh, a pa- there's a paper cutter in there and they turn the paper cutter kind of into a machete. They take the blade off of it so that they could try to like defend themselves. I think like um, Zeke's really trying to do that. But then Zeke ends up actually using um, one of his, uh, he carries around these pens with this stuff that's called scat, which is like this ecstasy type of powder that he makes. And he ends up being able to stick that into one of um, his eyes, you know, Mr. Furlong's eyes, and then that incapacitates him. So then that's good, awesome, wonderful, kills him. 
So then Zeke is like, yo, y'all, like, you have to come back to my house then, um, where we're going to try and figure this is going out. Then you have that whole scene. So they're now deciding, okay, we're all having to stick together now and they have to leave and go to Zeke's house. But then you realize that everybody else in this movie, the students included of this are slowly but surely getting turned into these monsters or these different people and who are being infected pretty much because they start having the whole lines of like, oh, why is this person hanging out with this person? That's kind of weird. All that kind of stuff. So then Zeke uh, takes everyone to his house because, of course, his parents, <laughs> they're not in the area. So, of course, he can do that. He experiments on a specimen that was retrieved by Casey. So they're all kind of sitting around, seeing what's going on, doing all this. What they discover is that pretty much these parasites need water to survive and they can be killed by his drugs because really all the drug is is just like caffeine pills pretty much and it's just that so it'll help dry it out um so that's what happens they do like a whole experiment zeke does a whole experiment with like a little hamster so like he gives the hamster something he actually has that uh, mercy kill the hamster pretty much um so the hamster does die but anyway they end up finding out you know okay but here's what we do here's what will make this react and we can hopefully kill this parasite so to also kind of keep everybody honest he's like all right y'all so since now we know that my drugs that i make will kill this thing i need you to do them i need you to do these drugs that i'm going to give you in these pens i usually snort it so that you can prove to me that like you are not infected so then one by one he gives each person um a pen full of scat and pretty much they all have to take it to prove they're uninfected so they each go around so you have a case to go around and it's like hitting him and then you see stan taking it and all that kind of stuff and then you see Stokely having to take it as well. And you see Mary Beth and Delilah. They're apprehensive about doing it, but they still have to do it. And so they're told, all right, we'll then do it at the same time. And it's then this time we reveal that actually Delilah is infected and she destroys Zeke's lab and most of the drug supply before she escapes. And you actually see a car outside of Zeke's house, which I guess had already been planned by the people who were infected um, with that. We don't quite know when she got infected, I guess. Like we don't see it, um, but it must've happened at some point during the you know part before this. And then I think also before all of that going on, we do get Stokely and Casey kind of talking to one another because Stokely uh, appears to be a fan of science fiction. So being able to talk about, you know, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers and like what happens in that movie and then also the source material of the book that that's based on, actually. So we do get that scene as well, which I always thought was fun because that really is kind of the Kevin Williamson twist of it all because his movies, uh, especially at this time, were very much self-aware of kind of the genre that it was poking fun at, if anything. Kind of like how Scream did that for horror movies. I think the faculty was doing for these kind of more traditional sci-fi type things. But because Stokely is kind of the resident person who knows about sci-fi and stuff, her speculation is that... Um, killing the alien's queen will revert everyone back to normal. So based off of this, Delilah's already left. So you're left with um, Mary Beth, Zeke, Casey, 
Stokely and Stan. And you also see that like Stokely and Stan, well, Stokely has a crush on Stan. So that all happens. They then return to the school where the football team is playing and they're infecting the opposing players. So you then, you know, you see that going on um, where they're having this other football team and they are like slyly trying to like make sure that the uh, parasites go into this other team so they can infect the town. Cause that was the other thing you kind of see that the rest of the town is also infected um, slowly, but surely uh, actually quickly, but surely really they get this idea in their head that principal Drake, since she's the leader of the school must be the queen of the parasites. They isolate her in the gym and they shoot her. Stan confronts the coach and the team to see if the plan works. So he like goes out to try to see if he can reason with them. But of course they can't. He tries to come back into the school and it ends up happening that like he is just infected himself. So you have all that going on. And then Zeke and Casey um, retrieve more of Zeke's drugs from his car. Um, so this leads to this whole scene of like Zeke going out to his car while Casey's kind of making a distraction. Um, the football team is coming after like Casey and then Casey goes into one of the school buses and is actually accosted by, um, Delilah where they have that kind of scene going on. And then you are back to Zeke where he's trying to get his, uh, his drugs out of his car. And of course you have an earlier scene with Elizabeth Burke, um, Famke Jensen, who after she's been turned because beforehand when she confronted Zeke, it was more of like her being shy and timid about this whole thing, about how he shouldn't be selling stuff on school property um, and all this. And then you see that she's really feeling herself um, after she's been infected and she like reads Zeke down pretty much. And then you have this other thing going on near the end of the film because we're going to be nearing the end, but pretty much like, um, Zeke and Mrs. Burke uh, kind of facing off for one another. So then you have that. And of course, what ends up happening is like, um, I think what ends up happening is that I believe the school bus or something blows up and then uh, Mrs. Burke's head comes along with it. And so her head has to like come back to her body or whatever. So like the, her head is now this like kind of octopus parasite thing. It has to like come and reattach with her head. It's very campy, very over the top, of course. So yeah, you have that scene with Zeke and Casey trying to kind of divert attention and doing all of that. And then you have Mary Beth and Stokely back in the gym, because again, Stan's already been infected. And you then see, you know, Stokely's kind of talking to Mary Beth a little bit and all that. And then you realize what's actually going on. You realize that, okay, so Principal Drake wasn't the the queen, but Mary Beth then reveals herself to be the alien's queen. Um, earlier on, you see in a flashback that she faked taking the drug. Of course, now, so like Casey and Stokely realize what's going on. And then also Zeke is there as well, but like then he just kind of disappears for a little bit, I think. So you see that Casey and Stokely are like running for their lives because they realize that Mary Beth is the the demon, or not even the demon, but like the the queen. And kind of a demon, sort of sort, not really. So you have this going on. So of course, like these things can swim. So, you know, Mary Beth as the queen 
Finn just like jumps into the water and you see this whole like huge giant parasite that she is. So then they hide out in the locker room. Uh, Stokely, unfortunately, gets infected. And then Zeke and Casey are hiding in the same locker room. And then, of course, so actually, I think Casey goes in there first and then Zeke kind of follows back. But then he doesn't realize that Mary Beth is like the queen quite yet. I think only Casey and Stokely had realized that um, because then one of the things that uh, Zeke says, because he sees Mary Beth in there because she's just now all naked and <laughs> Zeke's just like, I have a question, Mary Beth. Why are you naked? So there's that whole thing. But then pretty much like uh, Mary Beth explains that she's taking over the Earth because her own planet that she escaped from is dying. And so, you know, she's trying to just like uh, pretty much make some new friends, I guess, for for her planet. And um, Mary Beth transforms back into her true form and she hurls Zeke across the room into the lockers. He knocks um, out after that. And so then um, it's only Casey, really, because Stokely has already been turned. Casey takes the drugs that um, Zeke had had. You have this whole scene where um, these bleachers are out in the the gym. And pretty much um, Casey makes it so that, you know, these retracting bleachers, he's just running through them while Mary Beth and... and um, parasite form is like you know chasing after him he then gets to the end of them and he's able to capture mary beth in her parasite state and he stabs the drug into the queen's eye and he then is able to pretty much kill the queen casey returns to the locker room and he finds that stokely and zeke are still alive which is nice which is great and you realize that it's all come to uh it's all come to an end And then we have one of the most hated Coda moments ever in in a film. We then see it's one month later. Um, Everyone has now returned to normal, pretty much. All the students who had been infected are no longer infected. We see that uh, Stan and Stokely, who has now shed her goth girl image, are now dating, which I think is a travesty because I love gothic Clea Duvall. It makes no sense why she would just like change her her look to be with Stan, but okay. Zeke has taken Stan's place on the football team, um, which is funny because there's like the scene where like he's literally like just smoking like while he's like in the middle of practice, kind of, which is just funny. While Mrs. Burke uh, affectionately watched him practice, which I think is a little inappropriate um, because that is your your student. So why are you doing that? Even though he is like a held back person, but whatever. That's still kind of weird, Mrs. Burke. We then see Delilah and Casey are now dating somehow, which is really funny because I don't know how that fucking happened. And then also Delilah was kind of Honestly, I mean, Delilah was kind of a bitch this whole movie, to be honest. So why did she get anything nice at the end? Like, she wasn't all that nice to anybody. (laughs) Like, she was a bitch to Stokely. She wasn't very nice to Casey. And then somehow she just, like, ends up getting to be with Casey in the end, I guess, which makes no sense. Um, And now Casey is considered a local hero. Um, Various news media um, reveal the attempted invasion. It's now public knowledge, even though the FBI, because you do hear it as well over, over the ending that, you know, they deny that this happened. 
But yeah, that's how it all ends. So it kind of ties up a little bit. But I personally would say this is not a great coda moment. It's not a great ending. To be perfectly honest, I would think that not having that coda moment would have been fine, you know, kind of a thing or whatever. But yeah. But that, my friends, is the end of the faculty. So in conclusion, you know, I think that the faculty in particular is such a nice little, you know, cult horror film, you know, uh, I think when it came out, it seemed to do fine, I guess, all things considered, but, um, it definitely was in that kind of post scream era of horror movies, um, but I definitely think it has its own cult following of people who really enjoy it. Um, it was able to be, you know, get re-released, you know, and all. And I think people really still enjoy this movie. And, and there is something to be said for it. Um, talking about just, like, what it's like in, in high school and being able to, you know, have that kind of interesting kind of breakfast club-like um, part of it. Where each one of these characters is a particular kind of archetype, if you will. But I do think that the faculty is definitely worth your time to watch, especially if you're interested in this kind of late 90s cinema, late 90s horror, especially. Uh, I would highly recommend it. Uh, so in order to stream, you know, you can find this on HBO Max. It's been on there for the last few months. So if you have an HBO account, you can always watch it there. Uh, but I would even rent this, this shit, you know, like, you know, if you don't have HBO or whatever, you could probably find it somewhere. Um, but I would definitely give the faculty a watch because I think it is absolutely worth your time. Um, I think watching something like Body Snatchers would be you know, fun to then watch this movie uh, and get some of the you know, references and all um, just so you can have that. So definitely highly recommend. As always, if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can do so at cultcinemacircle at gmail.com. In case you want to give any movie recommendations, give feedback on the show, or if you just want to say, hey, I'm open to all of it. You can also follow the Cult Cinema Circle podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Instagram handle is Cult Cinema Circle, and Twitter handle is Cult Cine Circle. On those platforms, I tend to announce the different episodes I'm going to be doing. I'll make little Instagram stories when we have an episode drop, and just generally interact with anybody on there that wants to interact with me. You can also follow me on Letterboxd at Jesse, J-E-S-S-E, Kremp, K-R-E-M-P, all one word. On there, I log the movies that I watch and write little reviews about them and just general foolishness over there. Be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast on your podcatcher of choice, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Audible, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm pretty much out there everywhere. Be sure to leave five stars and a one to two sentence review so we can grow the audience more and also just spread the love all around. Be sure to tune in next week to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast, where I'm going to be covering 1999's Blast from the Past. Blast from the Past is a romantic comedy about the fallout of falling in love. At its center are two children of the nuclear age, one a savvy, cynical, modern L.A. woman, the other an innocent, naive young man cocooned since 1962 in a bomb shelter. Brendan Fraser is Adam, a man out of time. Alicia Silverstone is Eve, a woman of her times. When these two polar opposites begin to attract, the result is a wondrous chain reaction. As always, thank you for taking the time to listen to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast. And remember, Body Snatchers is a story somebody made up, dingus. It's located in the fiction section of the library. Take care. Bye.